Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Mad Sounds podcast. On this occasion, as ever, I am joined by Matt Maynard. Here I am. I feel like that's my catchphrase now. People want to hear that. Yeah, people, after the first one, my your proper Matt Damon and your blue ball microphone. Matt Damon. Um, it's a fantastic intro. Uh, what have we got on the agenda for this week, Matt? Well, this week, this week, this day, this evening, we have, this is the, uh, our series called The Record Store. So this is where we talk to media figures and some celebrities if we're lucky all about their three favorite albums so they're going to come on and talk us through them tell us the reasons why they love them why they chose them how they make them feel all that kind of jazz you know Um, and also hopefully a bit of education for us because we're not just picking 2005 indie albums we're you know there's some nice serious yeah we we are delving into some eclectic choices here Uh, and this week we have none other than boyd hilton of heat magazine he also does the tv and film reviews for five live and he has two podcasts he's got pilot which is all about telly if you're in telly and we are massively into arsenal so we are loyal listeners of footballistically arsenal which is his other podcast uh and boyd has chosen three amazing albums for us it was a real uh, i guess re-education for me and matt um we weren't too familiar with these albums although we had listened to them but giving them a re-listen um was absolutely fantastic so um stick around for those three albums uh, and the um it's a fantastic insight into his life and relationship with music as well but before we got into the three albums we did have a little bit of a chat with Boyd, didn't we about the goings-on of uh, podcasting and uh, a little bit about arsenal so without further ado here is Boyd hilton Boyd, you're a podcast supreme, aren't you? You know, you do. <laughs> um, do you enjoy doing other people? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, it's great fun. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've got two podcasts. Yeah, an Arsenal yeah. one and a um, a CV T- one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's always fun being being a guest. Is that why I am a guest? On yes, yeah, you're a guest. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it makes you feel like. Thank you. Yeah, it makes <laughs> you feel very important. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Awesome. And you spoke to Ricky Gervais on the Pilot TV podcast. Is it is it a bit shit having Ricky Gervais on yours and then coming into a Zoom chat with Will and Matt from Matt Madison's? and Will? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a bit it's a bit of a come down for uh, Will and Matt. We'll take that. I think, that's, I think that's yeah. quite generous. Yeah. Um, and, no, no, and, no. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> and you've been, but you have been podcasting in quarantine. Um, obviously, us being Arsenal fans, we won't get too into the Arsenal stuff with it being a music podcast. Mm. But we have to touch on it. You've we been bringing can. back some of the footballistically alumni heroes. Should we call them? Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all, they're all there. O'Leary, yeah, Winston, Baldwin. Th- these are Brooker, staple yeah. household names, really. And Brooker, of course, friend of the podcast. Brooker, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Although I'm annoyed because I'm trying to get. I want to get um, Keir Starmer on. Um, oh, nice. Who's yeah. A, yeah, who's a big Arsenal fan? So far, yes. that's so far being completely ignored about that. As he is my request. Yeah. To, he might know. have a few bits on his um on his. Oh, well, I mean, moment. come on. Your priority right now should be to go on my <laughs> Arsenal podcast. Apparently, um, he drinks on the Holloway and... Road before games. That's what I heard. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Good homework. <laughs> um, 
So he's a proper fan and I want to get him on. And also trying to get on Robert Peston from um, ITV's yes, Peston. another gooner as well. And I actually, yeah, right. Well, yeah. exactly. So yeah, I even found his publicist. I have no back at all. Uh, so yeah, if, outrageous. Anyway. So uh, these are all very much, Boyd, I think with your crowd and these guests that you want to get on, you're kind of the Arsenal intelligentsia really, aren't you? You and your, you and your crew. It's one way of putting it, yeah. yeah. And Arsenal ponces, Arsenal, Arsenal media twats. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah, Kit Starmer is not a media twat, to be fair. <laughs> actually leader of the opposition. Exactly. Are you an Arsenal fan as well, Matt? Or you, or you, or I am. Or? I am an Arsenal fan. Oh, okay. Arsenal fan, yeah. oh, cool. Yeah, both big Arsenal fans. Where, that's where me and Matt work. Uh, me and Matt met working at the, the Arsenal. I, I still work there. Uh, Mad yeah. sounds obviously my primary uh, venture now. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it will be anyway. But I, I say enough yeah. about football for now. Um, the podcast yeah. really is is to interview our favourite people within the media about their favourite albums, and we ask them kindly to bring three albums on with them. And um, I'm just going to go for the three albums before, so I can give the listeners a taste of what's to come. The first one you've gone for is Heaven or Las Vegas by the Cox. Twins, which is released in 1990. Your second one, very good album, re-educating myself last night, Billy Bragg with Workers Playtime, which came out in 88. And I think probably maybe the most renowned one and probably my favourite, Morris Alpha, certainly the one that's got my favourite single on it is Voxel and I, which came out in 1994. So I guess it'd be good to start with the Cocteau Twins. Um, there was their sixth album of nine and a very long career ending in 1997. Haven't heard much from them since, as far as I'm aware. And it was the most commercially successful of their many recordings. Um, why did you choose this record, Boyd? Uh, I chose this because these are all artists that um, I, I grew up with listening to from the first beginning, the very beginning of their careers, all the way through to the end. I mean, you know, Morrissey hasn't officially ended his career yet, but, um, um, you know, we'll, still, we'll get to that. But um, so Cocktail Twins... Um, they were kind of on the end of, like, for me, like, kind of the new romantic synth pop rock era. There's a lot um, of names for this genre, right? Of, of what there is, are. there is. Yeah. Dream pop. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I went to see, I remember I went to see them live at the Hammersmith Odeon, as it then was, um, I, I think for their second album or third album, like fairly early on. Yeah. And um, then I carried on uh, loving them ever since. But... I think the reason I chose this record, this was their, as you say, their big, their most successful record. It was this point where they um, they've become much more um, accessible. Right. And famously, Elizabeth Fraser's lyrics are absolutely impenetrable. I mean, you cannot understand a word she's saying for, I would say, the first six albums. Um, yeah. And then you get to this one, and you can hear a few more of the phrases of the songs. Most of the titles of the songs you can just about make out. She sing. I was interestingly, I've never done this before, unbelievably. So. I thought, oh yeah, you can now look up lyrics on the internet. I've never, yes. you know, bearing in mind I've loved the Cocteau Twins for, you know, 30 years or whatever. So I'm looking up the lyrics and I'm, I don't believe they're the official lyrics. I think they've kind of made up half of them because they are <laughs> incomprehensible for a large yeah. amount of time, which she herself admits. So, but these were the most comprehensible they'd been. And um, the sound of this album is extraordinary. There's nothing, I, I maintain to this day, no other record in history sounds like this. They've got a unique kind of like... Right you know, crystalline, magical, yeah. musical quality. It sounds amazing. And her voice is beautiful and incredible. And the the kind of, the poppy, catchy songs that I split luck and Heaven Las Vegas are just so, I, could, I listen to them pretty much, you know, every other day. So yeah, that's why I picked them. Um, wow. Okay. Do you remember where you were the very first time you heard it? Was that, is that a moment that, you know, is, is, yeah. is famous in your life? Yeah, definitely. Um, I used to listen to John 
Peel. So it was all down to John Peel. Of course, John Peel um, championed uh, yes. probably all of these acts, actually. Um, but particularly the Cocteau Twins, I remember him. That's where I first heard them, was on his show on Radio 1. Mm. Um, and uh, he would always get the first play of the Cocteau Twins uh, record. And sure enough, um, he did for this. So I remember him playing the title track. And I was like, fucking hell, I always, I've always loved them. And then this came on. I was like, this is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And as I mentioned, it was their most commercially successful album of their many recordings. Was it a surprise to you that their sixth was their most commercially successful? Because you've been with them from the start. And to you, it it might might hurt your, you know, your musical pride because you've been there since the beginning and you want to champion this band. And for people to come around to their sixth album, were you sort of saying, well, where have you been this whole time? Or were you happy because you actually thought it was it warranted being the most commercially successful? Oh no, I was happy. I'm not. I, I've never been one of those people who um, gets annoyed by a success uh, when 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 acts go mainstream in quotes and people yeah. that if people kind of discover them. I, I always love that. I think it's great. I think the more popular um, they become, the better. Particularly yeah. for this, you know, this band who was so unique and weird and kind of um, different to everyone else to, to suddenly become this this kind of you know to some extent pop culture phenomenon like I think it was a big hit in America as well um so that was brilliant I, I absolutely loved that I thought it was fantastic incredibly exciting yeah and they, they, as you say they are very kind of strange kooky kind of characters aren't they were you kind of you know you're 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 in the media did you find yourself sort of following their own personal journey and their story and obsessing over interviews and that kind of thing as well yeah a little bit yeah they, they were quite I mean I definitely read all their interviews at the time yeah and they're quite they were quite um enigmatic as pop stars in quotes. So, I mean, completely unlikely, you know, these are, I mean, I'm not sure, I'm trying to think, you know, to who now would be the equivalent, but I can't think of anyone really, but because yeah. this phrase of the singer didn't like really, you know, doing, talking to people no. and certainly didn't really like talk. They didn't, they never like, enjoyed talking about their process, like how they come up with the sound and all of that. So. Because it wasn't I, that I don't any of, Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't ever remember any of their interviews being particularly insightful or slash that interesting. And, Liz, I think they're, they're kind of introverts, I think, aren't they? That's the thing. Yeah. Like introverted pop stars is slightly a weird yeah. contradiction terms, but they totally are. And she, she's always had, um, whenever I have read interviews with her, she's always been talked about how reluctant she is to be a singer. You know, she finds it kind of difficult and embarrassing and long periods. Now, you know, she hasn't really done much at all for about the last decade, at least to, to 15 years, apart from the odd guest appearance on a, on someone else's record or something. So they're, they're, they are the ultimate reluctant pop stars in a way, yeah. Mm. Is, sure. is there a, a stage of your life that it takes you back to? Is there a nostalgic moment that this album yeah. really takes you to? Um, and it, yeah, so what, what is that, Boyd? I'd love to know. Well, this was in 1990. Um, I'd come back from, funnily enough, the, the Billy Bragram we'll talk about, I'll talk about this a bit more, but um, yeah. I'd come back from a year in America um, and... Um, this was one of the, I think, off the top of my head, I think it was one of the first records I got. Uh, it was the summer of 1990 when I got back. And um, I was like, oh, the Cockney Twins are, are, are still doing brilliantly. I mean, I still followed them, you know, when I was away. But it was definitely like, it was definitely like a big deal. For though, you know, it wasn't like um, an accidental thing. It was definitely, yeah, sixth album. They were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, everyone was really excited about it. And it totally lived up to expectations. It was a kind of magical, um, a magical thing. Yeah, it got, like, I remember it getting really good reviews, you know, in the enemy, et cetera. And it was definitely like a, so, but definitely like being back from America and kind of getting back into, being able to see these acts live and stuff, I would see them again for this album. 
live. Um, that was really exciting. Yeah. Brilliant. And if you and if you had to pick a favourite track off the album, which I guess is the the, the golden yes. question, which, which would it be? I've just got the I've got the record here. I'm um, <laughs> there it is. I've, uh, I think so it one of our listeners, be... Boyd, is now holding the vinyl, um, yeah. which is going out as audio. But for all, for, the, for the Zoom Parish, all three of us here, he's got the vinyl in his hand and he's perusing the back of it. And this is this is not, by the way, this is not a recent purchase that I got. You know, this is the actual one that came out in that Rich, year. Oh, wow. Original so, pressing, wow. Yeah, original yes. pressing. Yeah. Lovely. It would be either Ice Blink Luck or Heaven on Space. I think I'm going to go for Ice Blink Luck, just slightly less obvious than the title track. Ice Well, as a, if you haven't listened to that album, I said me, me and Matt been re-educating ourselves. I think maybe not, definitely not as well versus Boy, but it was a fa- an absolutely fantastic listen. Yeah, I'd just um, like to add to that as well. Yeah, we obviously, I mean, I, I knew of the record and, and had heard bits of it, but it was I'd never listened to it all the way through, and it was actually really nice to sit and listen to that record because it's great and it it is i think if i'm going to compare it to sort of more modern artists um which is gonna really gonna put my foot in it now if i start yeah. trying to see go on but, but possibly of of the maybe like um charlotte gainsbourg or christine the queens yeah. on a more accessible yeah. pop level, that yeah. kind of yeah that makes sense yeah dreamy yeah. pop yeah but yeah definitely yeah. but still very different to those as well yeah, I think I think you're right. Those acts have probably been influenced by by them. Definitely. Yeah, of course, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, and I would, I've always think a bit of Kate Bush as well when I yes. think of the, certainly the yeah, voice. Yeah, uh, Kate Bush it's came across that, to me as well. Definitely. Yeah, it's got that quality to it. Yeah. So, so that was um, Heaven or Las Vegas um, by the Cocteau Twins, and the second one you've brought along with you today is Workers' Playtime by Billy Bragg, which came out in 1988. And the slogan for this album, uh, which is unbashedly displayed on the album cover, is Capitalism is killing music i guess we'll open with the same question and say you know why did you ask uh, why did you pick this record well this one is really about um it's partly well it's to a large extent about where i was so this was when i just got to america for my year uh, there when i was a student at the university of massachusetts amherst and nice. my friend neil donahue who um, was doing it he did a year at sussex university where i was as a student in brighton the year before and we um, became best friends and had a, and, and I think bonded mostly over music, actually, um, and a largely over Billy Bragg. So he was an American, you know, kind of uh, a kind of American dude. And I was like, I was amazed that anyone in America had heard of Billy Bragg, let alone was a fan and kind of liked them. So that was the first thing. And I remember this album coming out. Um, I think it came out just before in 1988, just before I left to go to America. And then I went there and this was like the soundtrack for wow. my whole time there. Yeah. Um, and to the point of, you know, we, we, me and Neil, I, I stayed with him in his house in Washington, D.C. And we'd have this would be one of the main records we listened to. And then I went across America in a, in, a, in a VW bus with friends. And this would be another song album I listened to. It's it's definitely a bit like the, what I was saying with the Cocteau Twins. This was like Billy Bragg. You know, he started off again. John Peel would play his stuff and it was very... Yeah. Um, political songs, kind of him and a guitar, basically. It was, yeah. you know, the first few albums is literally just him and a guitar. So then this was the more commercial, I hate using that word, but the more poppy, there'll be, there's piano, there's piano, as well there's as just nice the guitar, piano through, yeah. the ice piano, and just the whole, it just sounds great. And it's got a kind of folky quality to it, but it's also kind of pop music mm. as well. And just the songs are absolutely yeah. beautiful. Like, yeah, they are beautiful. From start, to, from start to finish, from She's Got a New Spell, which I think was the first single, 
right through to the end, waiting for the Great Leap Forwards, which is probably you know the most obviously political song on the album. And it's and it's he would always do love songs and political songs, and they'd be very much all of his songs up until this album were either one or the other. But this is the album I think where that merged. Like some of them are love songs and political songs a bit together, and the lyrics unbelievable. So yeah, I, I think this was just like an album I constantly listened to for about two years. And had you been listening to his earlier stuff? Because like you say, the other stuff was way more political and, you know, they were all more yeah. cool for arms. But this, like you say, that he started with love songs and, and it wasn't all just about the uprising in this album at all, was it? So what for you, what, what did that difference mean to you that he changed his, his style a little bit? Well, he always had, um, yeah, I, I mean, I loved him from the start. So Life's Right, um, uh, the first album was was very stark but again going back to i think it all goes back to john Peel. everything goes back to john Peel. i remember him playing the songs and because i was a, a typically left-wing you know student mm. so i was definitely like oh there's a there's a protest singer basically in the tradition of bob dylan and all that who's from essex from barking in essex and i'm from milford <laughs> in essex which is a na- neighboring town pretty much yeah yeah um so for all these reasons it was like oh this is amazing this guy singing in his essex accent doing protest songs that are very political so i loved that from the start and you had, and you always have love songs, or, or kind of in the middle of all this political stuff. But then this album came out, and it was like, oh, Billy Bragg, musically being more sophisticated, but still with his best lyrics ever, most kind of funny, witty, brilliant observations. They're like little, um, particularly the song, the short answer is like a little observational song about, you know, whatever about this this guy thinking about this woman, etc. It just worked for me totally. So you think you would you say you gravitated towards Billy Bragg's music because you were slightly more left wing or, or just left wing in general as a student, or was it music oh, yeah. like Billy Bragg's that sort of shaped your political outlook and and other artists as well? I'm saying it would just be him in particular. Well, I definitely was into um, yeah left wing politics totally, um, and um, uh, still am. And um, but definitely then I was definitely like I was you know going on protests and all that, and, and Billy Bragg would be there. You know he'd be you'd see him. I, we, I went to see him. Um, I think a couple of years before this, at a, at a communist um, festival in Bologna, Italy, and me and my mates were interrailing, and we got a picture with him and everything. So I think <laughs> I've still got somewhere. Um, and so yeah, just every, uh, yeah, we loved him completely. Yeah, um, yeah right from the start, full on. And, and I was going to ask you as well. You know, you work in the media. Are you open about your politics in your job? Is that something that you're able to do? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we we. Um, yeah, if anyone, I, I slightly uh, on Twitter, I'll talk about it, you know. And, and funnily enough, um, uh, I do get we do get complaints from people like, you know, when I do my other podcasts and talk about mention, you know, it's a side point politics or whatever. I often get people complaining, like, why, how dare you talk about <laughs> politics when you're supposed <laughs> yeah, to talk about Arsenal and or, you know, stick to Arsenal. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, stick to, stick to Game of Thrones. And there are, there's like one guy, funnily enough, there's one guy on Twitter who every time I say anything political, in any of my podcasts particularly, he, he, he tweets me about it and I completely ignore him. And I think that's like, every, you know, I've been ignoring him probably for like, you know, five years now, but he's, he is demented. Like every single time I say anything political, he's on me and he's like, oh, what, you're still banging on about you child. You know, I'm like, yep, I'm ignoring you, still ignoring you. Um, so that's, that keeps me entertained. And even as, you know, my day job is working for Heat magazine, which is a very yeah. mainstream um, celebrity gossip magazine, basically. Mm. But they've never, I've never had any problem with, um, with expressing my opinion yet. It's fine. That's good to hear. <laughs> absolutely refreshing yes. to hear. And I guess we'll close the discussion again. Can you pick your favourite track? Have you got have you got the vinyl to hand? But you know what? I haven't got the vinyl to hand because I've got this on CD. I only got this on CD. So oh, um, we've um, moved on. Yeah, uh, moved, we've moved on by then. 
Um, but my favourite track, I think it's got to be The Short Answer. Yeah. The Short Answer. Incredible lyrics, great tune. Um, can listen to that song every day. It's a standout for me as it goes. Yeah, absolutely. A fantastic track. Um, um, yeah, and again, just to say, like, I listened to that and the, the track that stood out for me was Tender Comrade because it's obviously mm. just that completely bare, stripped back and and the lyrics as well. It's, a, it's, a, it's about a soldier, you know, him being gay, I guess, and, and, and yeah. you know, representing his country and the attitudes towards him because he's a soldier. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's quite a, a unique record for its time, isn't it? And, yeah, completely. Yeah, that is a, a brilliant song. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think he, um, I saw the other day on Twitter, someone mentioned it to him, um, that particular song, and he was, right. I think he was very um, kind of moved that someone remembered oh. it and was talking yeah. about it, yeah. Yeah, and, and of Very course, he's job. been in, he's been involved at one of his albums uh, in Tim's Twitter listening party, which we mentioned on our uh, our last <laughs> podcast, which is is taking Twitter by storm at the moment. It seems to be about four albums yeah. a night. I think if any album you, you've ever liked, Tim Burgess has probably covered it by now. But it's great <laughs> to just uh, following that hashtag when the albums are on. People are getting very emotional about their favourite albums, and and uh, me included. But yeah, absolutely. So, just staying with politically loaded music, um, moving mm. to a slightly different <laughs> different well, conversation. I hear that mm, void, <laughs> and uh, this this could be the maybe the most interesting chunk of the podcast we'll let the listeners decide but the last album you picked is by morrissey uh, and we Life. we just love the, the 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 way that you've picked billy bragg and then we go into morrissey it's perfect yeah it's the perfect yeah. juxtaposition um and yeah the, i think the first thing we have to ask as well is is why morrissey and not the smiths well um because i thought a slightly because i thought it would be a bit obvious to go for the smiths over morrissey and the easy thing to do you know in, in these times where merely admitting that you like morrissey is is a politically charged um thing uh everyone's i think everyone's like the smiths yeah that's fine because that was that was his band and johnny marr is still lovely and isn't you know isn't a right-wing um, lunatic so i think it's kind of politically correct to to to, to, to admit you like the smiths but morrissey mm. singling out morrissey in this day and age is still quite i feel like you know a, a bold, brave thing to do. It Not that I'm saying I'm bold or brave in any way, but <laughs> more honest in a way. But to be absolutely honest with you, I love the Smiths, and of course, you know, I got I got into the Smiths from the moment um, you know the first album came out, and uh, again, t- totally due to John Peel, of course. But I have to say, if I, I was thinking about, it, and I was thinking I could choose um, the last Strange Ways Here We Come, which is my favourite Smiths album. Um, but if you said to me, you know, what is the Morrissey-based record you listen to more than any other? It's still Voxel and I over all the Smiths albums. And I think Voxel and I is an incredibly consistent in terms of the songwriting, the singing, the production, the tunes. And I love every single track on this album. And I don't love every single track on any Smiths album. So I right. thought, I'm going to go for Voxel and I. Yeah. That is Fantastic. interesting. And with with with, the, with that consistency, um, Boz Bora, who is so instrumental into a lot of Morris's writing, a lot of Mor- Morris's creativity, do you think it goes slightly under the radar? And you wish you knew people knew more who he was. I mean, obviously Mor- Morrissey fans yeah. do, but pay- maybe people looking in and going back and listening to those records, not just the songwriting, but a fantastic guitar player as well. Do you think it's slight his influence is slightly underrated? Yeah, definitely. Because I think when you think about the um, the tunes on this album, they're every bit as good as, you know, some of the best Smith tunes that Johnny Marr was coming up with. And like songs like Now My Heart Is Full, the first song, and it's, it's bookended by two of my favourite songs of all time, Now My Heart Is Full, the first one, and Speedway, the last one. And the tunes and the um, production, Doctors by Steve Lidio, I think Boz Bora is very prominent in, in, in coming up with the sound of this record, are incredible absolutely up there with any Smith's tunes, you know, in terms of the melody. Um, so I think, he's, I think he's absolutely capable of doing 
stuff that's that's brilliant. Yeah, Bosport. I think he's I think he's great. And this I album think, is like a hymn. It's absolute hype. Um, what it's interesting you say about the melody there. I think this is. I think the the Morrissey's own stuff is a bit more melodic, isn't it? You don't have quite the same reliance on on the Johnny Marr guitar, and it is the this the Morrissey vocal that carries it. I think one of my favourite tracks on the album was Why Don't You Find Out for Yourself. That's such mm. a really nice Morrissey track, isn't it? And I think it's very typical. Yeah. Of, of his solo stuff. Um, and, and, and then also, Boyd, um, do you think it's quite a bitter record as well? Like the, the lyrics, it's, it's quite dark, isn't it? I, I, I yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> all his records, obviously all his songs are bitter, yeah. I mean, yes, pretty much, well. I would say. Um, I'm trying to think of one that's not bitter. But um, <laughs> uh, I think this is probably one of his less bitter, I would say. Right, um, okay. In all. Like, Now My Heart Is Full, I think is, isn't a bitter song. I think that's a swooning, you know, sure. quite romantic song. I think Billy Budd, Hold On To Your Friends. I mean, that's, that's a pretty, that's not, that's not necessarily, I, th- I think it's probably got fewer cynical, sure. the more you ignore me, the closer I get, it's a song of obsessive, you know, love, isn't it? And I actually think that when this album came out, um, having read his autobiography, which I still, I would say is still a brilliant book, by the way, unlike his fucking terrible novel, um, <laughs> his, his autobiography, he does talk about how this, he was, he, he was in a relationship at this time, quite, as much as he's ever been in his life. And I think this did contribute to this album being one of his more uplifting, I would say, if you can use that right. Morrissey. And I think you can, yeah. um, records that he's ever done. So I think that's partly why I love it. Yeah. And um, I was going to, we, we kind of have to talk about the politics really as well mm-hmm. of, of where Morrissey is he, he's at now and the kind of things he says. Do you, do you separate the music from the art? Can you listen to a Morrissey yeah. record? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've always done, I think, you know, I think if you, I, I, but I don't at all, um, I completely understand why some people can't listen to him anymore. Um, and I think that's a personal decision. I think it's just a visceral thing, isn't it? I think if you've grown up with him and um, you, for all kinds of reasons, and felt, you, know, like, you know, I think one of the reasons we all love the Smiths and him in particular is his persona was, if you felt like an outsider, you know, when you're a teenager or whatever, and you think no one's getting you and, you know, you, you, you don't feel you fit into the mainstream of society, which is what so much indie music is about, I guess. Um, then when he then becomes this kind of weirdly, really bitter guy who's obsessed with England first and, you know, all, all, everything we know about his current polit- political situation, I mean, he would never admit, you know, he's never going to admit he's a racist in quotes, but there's definitely, his, this current, his current politics tinged with nationalism. Let's, let's leave it at that, at the, at the, very, oh, yeah. best. Um, the very best. It feels like a betrayal of what he was back then, I think, you know, because he was such a yeah. kind of sensitive, you know. So all of that, but I am never, I can always separate art from the, from the, from the artist, you know, politically, you know. It's, a, it's, a, it's an obvious, it's a long um, discussed point, but most of the novelists we read, you know, now who are coming up with stuff, you know, a hundred years ago, whatever, obviously all of that is bathed in racism and imperialism and whatever, homophobia, it's all there. Um, and, and, and so you have to kind of separate it. But what I would say is I can't see him live anymore. I can't. Right. So I draw the line there. And again, not in any sense of principle at all. But um, in fact, I, was, I, was, I, I could have seen him at Wembley, the, the day, do you remember that day before the sh- lockdown? The week before the lockdown, I think it was the week of the Cheltenham Festival. And yeah. there was a big gig. Um, remember that big gig that everyone posted about on Twitter that everyone went to? Um, what that terrible band, you know, um, the Welsh... Stereophonics. People. Stereophonics, sorry. Stereophonics. <laughs> oh, stereophonics I'm, I'm not having that as a separate podcast, but, but continue. No, sorry. I agree. I'm, I'm not a anyway. They are a terrible band. Yeah, there was a massive gig they had, wasn't there? Um, and yeah. it was that same day Morrissey played in London and I was offered a ticket genuinely 
And I was like, I don't, I, I can't sit through him live anymore. Because the last time I did sit see him live, a quite intimate BBC gig, which was amazing, he started banging on about that terrible woman who's basically a racist and, right, and his politics. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're ruining the whole thing. Just <laughs> So I can't endure that. But I still, I will never stop listening to his music. Do, do you think um, when you listen back to the first four Smiths albums, or maybe probably the first two or three, do you think... If, if you put yourself in your shoes then, you, might, you may have saw this Morrissey coming. with You know, with the National Front Disco, A Rush and A Push and A Land Is Ours mm. and songs like that. You think you could maybe see it coming? Or, or were you a bit too in love with the Smiths at the time to care what he was really singing about and rather just listening to the music and enjoying that stage of your life? I think the first few Smiths albums, I, I don't think so. But I think when it got to um, the latter years and the solo career, particularly with the, the National Front Disco on Your Arsenal, that album, and, and, that, and the famously draping himself in the Union Jack at that yep. um, Finchby Park, I think it was. Yep, yep. I lived through all that. I lived through all that. Every time he was asked about that, you know, from the, from the donning himself in the Union Jack and talking about the National Front Disco, he was very carefully pointing out that he was being in his mind, anti-racist. You know, he was definitely, like, denying, he was outright denying that it was a part of his politics. So I was fine with that. And I was like, okay, I'll take him at his word, you know, even though you might have issues with, with um, uh, certain songs. And he definitely skirted, didn't he? In the, in the solo years, he was always skirting close to some kind of nationalism. It was always a bit, a bit weird. But I always thought, no, I can't believe Morrissey's, but now, now that he's openly talk the, what, what he talks about in his interviews now and I use the word interview in, in heavy quotes often they're like you know things on his website conducted by his own nephew basically and that's, <laughs> not, you know, that's not an objective interview um he's explicitly being nationalistic now and I can't deal with that supporting you know Nigel Farage all that I'm oh, like well, fucking yeah, has, you know that's so I think there is a big difference yeah there's a big difference between the little hints and flirting with certain ideas back then and to what he is now Support, he's, he's like showed solidarity with Kevin Spacey and other and other things to people like that. So yeah, he's I gone. Mean, he's gone way too far. Wrong. It must be really upsetting. Very... It must be really upsetting for you in that respect, boy. But like you say, it, it, it is good that you can separate the the artist from the uh, say the you know the outlook that he has and that you can still enjoy his music because even when I when I listen to a Morrissey solo album now or even the Smiths, it's still an amazing listen and yeah. sort of like the gloom to some of the records and that like impending sort of sadness um, to a lot of his records is, is I think why a lot of people um, really love it. So if you had to pick a favourite track from that album, what would it be? Speedway. It's Speedway. Song. I absolutely love that song. Yeah, it's incredible. I think, I, I think it's a fantastic song. I mean, my, my choice, not that it matters because we're interviewing you, but the, the more <laughs> you ignore me, the closer I get. I think it's one yeah. of the best openings to a song I've ever heard. And um, my brother, who has plays a lot in my musical influence, um, t- told me when he introduced me to this, if you have one headphone in, you can just hear the acoustic guitar. And if you put the other headphone in, you can oh, hear well. the other semi-acoustic. And I never looked at it that way. But if you, if you listen to it that way, it, it's the two layerings of opening to that song. And the music video as well. Very interesting music mm. video to that song. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, um, a, fan, a fantastic choice and, and really fantastic to talk to you. Um, just apart, apart nice. from the three albums, I wanted to ask you, what was the first record you ever went out and bought? Proud as Punch, Money in Hand, down to the record shop. What did you take home? I'm pretty sure it was something by... Uh, oh, no, I know what it was. It was ELO, Out of the Blue, Electric Light oh. Orchestra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think 1978, I think. And back then, by the way, back then they were not in any way cool. Or, you know, now they're kind <laughs> of like slightly ironically cool. Jeff yeah. Lynne's still doing ELO. But um, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Blue Sky, I love that song. I remember that being, yeah. I think when I was, I must have been 
10, I think, um, thinking that was like the greatest thing ever I've ever heard. And I, I think very excitedly went out to buy the album. I think I heard it at a similar age, maybe slightly older for the first time. And it was on an episode of Doctor Who and I absolutely loved it as well. Uh, oh, yes, it is an episode of Doctor Who, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I was good. maybe about yeah. 14 or something. And I thought, this song is amazing and had to go and check yeah. them out. So it yeah. does, yeah, yeah, it has something about it. Um, yeah, they've kind of come back. I went through a whole period where it was very embarrassing to me to like the yellow, and now they've completely turned it around and everyone loves them again. Have you have you been to see them live? Is 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 it or are you uh, are you refraining from that? Or you, I went to a Radio Two festival thing where they played. Yeah, it, they were fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah I saw them Glasgow. Yeah, brilliant. fantastic. Well, boy, thanks so much for coming on to speak to us. Um, three fantastic choices there, and yeah, they were great. Definitely, definitely an education to be had if you haven't listened to those tracks. Um, I obviously but like Matt with the Cocteau Twins uh, album. Sorry, um, uh, and uh, if you haven't listened to them, I, I would hi- highly recommend. Um, all of them are a really good education me but, but thanks so much for coming yeah. on thanks so much boys Pleasure. really thanks appreciate so. it cheers thank you Th- cheers thanks. Matt as well ladies and gentlemen that was Boyd Hilton Matt what, what were your thoughts on that I thought it was absolutely fantastic a real education for me that that was exactly what I, w- I was saying to Boyd that those albums um, although I was aware of them I hadn't ever listened to all of them um, all the way through and I had the pleasure of before, in, you know, talking to Boyd, sitting down and listening to all those albums. I must say, I think my favourite was Billy Bragg. Although I really love the Morrissey record, I do struggle to separate the art from the man. And I'm not, and I, maybe that's a bit hypocritical of me because I think in other instances, I don't. So I'm, for example, a massive Michael Jackson fan and love a couple of his albums. Like they are incredible, um, despite the fact that I know that things have gone on there and I do manage to separate it but with Morrissey I don't know what it is I think it's because of the way he's so vocal about it and it's obviously there glaring in plain sight about his views and when it's these solo records he's he's kind of like talking about these views as well whereas you know in other instances maybe they're not um quite as connected um but but I think the Billy Bragg record because although with Billy Bragg, I've, I've listened to Billy Bragg and I, I knew about some of his stuff. I, I think this is the album I've been waiting to find and discover and listen to properly because it is a bit more accessible, isn't it? And it's really nice piano. It's really melodic. It's a really lovely, lovely sounding record. It is. And, and I think with most albums these days, we, we struggle to find a real, okay, I'll go, go super hands here, but a political statement about it, you know, and, and yeah. this is a political statement from start to finish. And like you say, it's not as political as some of his predecessors, um, mm. his predecessing album, should I say, but no, the, not. if you look at the cover, you sort of know what you're getting yourself. Oh in. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and if you, if you haven't seen the cover, go look at it. It's fantastically artistic and it does paint a real picture of what, what you're about to, um, to get yourself in yeah. for. Um, but yeah, it, I, I completely agree. I think it was probably my favorite of the three as well. Uh, I think it's probably given us an album there to, uh, to, to really cling on to uh, the Morrissey one. Sorry to yeah, come yeah, in again here, on. but you, um, you, you put it perfectly. It's really hard to separate those things too, but I think Boyd was very humble in, in the way he did separate them. You know, you can just tell Boyd's a huge Morrissey fan. Oh yeah. Probably, I'm not, I'm not having a good boy. It's probably, him. um, made it a bit difficult for him that Morrissey has turned up yeah, but it's made it difficult exactly. for everyone uh, who, who likes his uh, his albums whether they were solo well, or with the Smiths we like the Smiths and we and I will listen to the Smiths still but we weren't born we didn't we weren't raised in the 80s so we don't have that same connection with them yeah. that they are they're not our band that we love the Smiths but they're not our band so yeah, I can definitely. I can sort of formulate more of a disconnection with with them and with certainly with Morrissey because obviously we all love Johnny Mott 
Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and an honourable mention for the Cocteau Twins, Heaven or Las Vegas, a really enjoyable listen as well. Very, uh, very imaginative record. I'd say with this one, one listen or, or two or three, you know, I, I listened to it a couple of times in the last couple of days and I'd, I'd, I was aware of the record, but it's not enough for that kind of record. This is a grower. This could be the one that in a month's time is by far my favourite. If I, you know, I keep listening to this and I think that I would advise to the listener, it's not necessarily the one that you're going to connect with straight away. I think the Billy Bragg one, it's so much more raw and that's why you can connect with it like immediately and, and, and those lyrics, especially if you know, you're of a, yeah. of a liberal mindset as well. Ab- ab- absolutely. And I think that it's, it'll be an education for us doing this series because we'll have lots of new albums to listen to, even though we consider our music knowledge to be vast, there's always going to be an education for us and hopefully an education for like ev- anyone listening because we, during this lockdown, we want to provide people with a, a couple of albums to go away and listen to and they're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, granted. But that, I think those three definitely will be having listened to them all um, in, in fairly recently um, in the midst of doing this podcast. But that was... Um, Boyd Hilton's three choices, three fantastic choices. And we'll be back next time where we'll be interviewing football journalist Tim Stillman about his choices. And he has sent me his choices in advance. And um, all I can say is you must listen to that one. And so on that note, we'll see you all next time. See you later.